Section 15 of the Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Exemplary Novels by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra. Translated by Walter K. Kelly. The Little Gypsy Girl. Part 4. Leaving Estremadura, they entered La Mancha and gradually traversed the kingdom of Murcia. In all the villages and towns they passed through, they had matches at ball-playing, fencing, running, leaping, and pitching the bar. And in all these trials of strength, skill, and agility, Andrew and Clement were victorious, as Andrew alone had been before. During the whole journey, which occupied six weeks, Clement neither found nor sought an opportunity to speak alone with Preciosa, until one day when she and Andrew were conversing together, they called him to them, and Preciosa said, The first time you came to our camp I recognized you, Clement, and remembered the verses you gave me in Madrid, but I would not say a word, not knowing with what intention you had come among us. When I became acquainted with your misfortune, it grieved me to the soul though at the same time it was a relief to me, for I had been much disturbed, thinking that as there was a Don Juan in the world who had become a gypsy, a Don Sancho might undergo transformation in like manner. I speak this to you because Andrew tells me he has made known to you who he is, and with what intention he turned gypsy. And so it was, for Andrew had acquainted Clement with his whole story, that he might be able to converse with him on the subject nearest to his thoughts. Do not think that my knowing you was of little advantage to you, since for my sake and in consequence of what I said of you, our people the more readily admitted you amongst them, where I trust in God you may find things turn out according to your best wishes. You will repay me, I hope, for this good will on my part by not making Andrew ashamed of having set his mind so low, or representing to him how ill he does in persevering in his present way of life. For though I imagine that his will is enthralled to mine, still it would grieve me to see him show signs, however slight, of repenting what he has done. Do not suppose, peerless Preciosa, replied Clement, that Don Juan acted lightly in revealing himself to me. I found him out beforehand, his eyes first disclosed to me the nature of his feelings. I first told him who I was, and detected that enthrallment of his will which you speak of, and he, reposing a just confidence in me, made his secret mine. He can witness whether I applauded his determination and his choice, for I am not so dull of understanding, Preciosa, as not to know how omnipotent is beauty and yours, which surpasses all bounds of loveliness, is a sufficient excuse for all errors, if error that can be called, for which there is so irresistible a cause. I am grateful to you, Signora, for what you have said in my favor, and I hope to repay you by hearty good wishes that you may find a happy issue out of your perplexities, and that you may enjoy the love of your Andrew, and Andrew that of his Preciosa with the consent of his parents, so that from so beautiful a couple there may come into the world the finest progeny which nature can form in her happiest mood. 
this is what i shall always desire preciosa and this is what i shall always say to your andrew and not anything which could tend to turn him from his well-placed affections with such emotion did clement utter these words that andrew was in doubt whether they were spoken in courtesy only or from love for the infernal plague of jealousy is so susceptible that it will take offence at the motes in the sunbeams and the lover finds matter for self-torment in everything that concerns the beloved object nevertheless he did not give way to confirmed jealousy for he relied more on the good faith of his preciosa than on his own fortune which in common with all lovers he regarded as luckless so long as he had not obtained the object of his desires in fine andrew and clement continued to be comrades and friends their mutual good understanding being secured by clement's upright intentions and by the modesty and prudence of preciosa who never gave andrew an excuse for jealousy clement was somewhat of a poet andrew played the guitar a little and both were fond of music one night when the camp was pitched in a valley four leagues from mercia andrew seated himself at the foot of a cork tree and clement near him under an evergreen oak each of them had a guitar and invited by the stillness of the night they sang alternately andrew beginning the descant and clement responding andrew ten thousand golden lamps are lit on high making this chilly night rival the noonday's light look clement on yon star bespangled sky and in that image see if so divine thy fancy be that lovely radiant face where centres all of beauty and of grace clement where centres all of beauty and of grace and where in concord sweet goodness and beauty meet and purity hath fixed its dwelling-place creature so heavenly fair may any mortal genius dare or less than tongue divine to praise in lofty rare and sounding line andrew to praise in lofty rare and sounding line thy name hit on a bright earth's wonder and delight worthy above the empyrean vault to shine fain would i snatch from fame the trump and voice whose loud acclaim should startle every ear and lift preciosa's name to the eighth sphere clement to lift preciosa's fame to the eighth sphere were meet and fit that so the heavens new joy might know through all their shining courts that name to hear which on this earth doth sound like music spreading gladness round breathing with charm intense peace to the soul and rapture to the sense it seemed as though the freeman and the captive were in no haste to bring their tuneful contest to conclusion had not the voice of preciosa who had overheard them sounded from behind in response to theirs they stopped instantly and remained listening to her in breathless attention whether her words were delivered impromptu or had been composed some time before i know not however that may be she sang the following lines with infinite grace as though they were made for the occasion while in this amorous emprise an equal conflict i maintain 
'tis higher glory to remain pure maid than boast the brightest eyes the humblest plant on which we tread if sound and straight it grows apace by aid of nature or of grace may rear aloft towards heaven its head in this my lowly poor estate by maiden honour dignified no good wish rests unsatisfied their wealth i envy not the great i find not any grief or pain in lack of love or of esteem for i myself can shape i deem my fortunes happy in the main let me but do what in me lies the path of rectitude to tread and then be welcomed on this head whatever fate may please the skies i fain would know if beauty hath such high prerogative to raise my mind above the common ways and set me on a loftier path if equal in their souls they be the humblest hind on earth may vie in honest worth and virtue high with one of loftiest degree what inwardly i feel of mine doth raise me all that's base above for majesty be sure and love do not on common soil recline preciosa having ended her song andrew and clement rose to meet her an animated conversation ensued between the three and preciosa displayed so much intelligence modesty and acuteness as fully excused in clement's opinion the extraordinary determination of andrew which he had before attributed more to his youth than his judgment the next morning the camp was broken up and they proceeded to a place in the jurisdiction of mercia three leagues from the city where a mischance befell andrew which went near to cost him his life after they had given security in that place according to custom by the deposit of some silver vessels and ornaments preciosa and her grandmother christina and two other gitanias clement and andrew took up their quarters in an inn kept by a rich widow who had a daughter aged about seventeen or eighteen rather more forward than handsome her name was juana carducha this girl having seen the gipsies dance the devil possessed her to fall in love with andrew to that degree that she proposed to tell him of it and take him for a husband if he would have her in spite of her relations watching for an opportunity to speak to him she found it in a cattle-yard which andrew had entered in search of two young asses when she said to him hurriedly andrew she already knew his name i am single and wealthy my mother has no other child this inn is her own and besides it she has large vineyards and several other houses you have taken my fancy and if you will have me for a wife only say the word answer me quickly and if you are a man of sense only wait and you shall see what a life we shall lead astonished as he was at carducha's boldness andrew nevertheless answered her with the promptitude she desired senora doncea i am under promise to marry and we gitanos intermarry only with gitanas many thanks for the favor you would confer on me of which i am not worthy carducha was within two inches of dropping dead at this unwelcome reply to which she would have rejoined but that she saw some of the gitanos come into the yard she rushed from the spot a thirst for vengeance 
Andrew, like a wise man, determined to get out of her way, for he read in her eyes that she would willingly give herself to him with matrimonial bonds, and he had no wish to find himself engaged foot to foot and alone in such an encounter. Accordingly he requested his comrades to quit the place that night, complying with his wishes as they always did. They set to work at once, took up their securities again that evening, and decamped. Carducha, seeing that Andrew was going away, and half her soul with him, and that she should not have time to obtain the fulfillment of her desires, resolved to make him stop by force, since he would not do so of good will. With all the cunning and secrecy suggested to her by her wicked intentions, she put among Andrew's baggage, which she knew to be his, a valuable coral necklace, two silver medals, and other trinkets belonging to her family. No sooner had the gypsies left the inn than she made a great outcry, declaring that the gypsies had robbed her, till she brought about her the officers of justice and all the people of the place. The gypsies halted, and all swore that they had no stolen property with them, offering at the same time to let all their baggage be searched. This made the old gypsy woman very uneasy, lest the proposed scrutiny should lead to the discovery of Preciosa's trinkets and Andrew's clothes, which she preserved with great care. But the good wench Carducha quickly put an end to her fears on that hand, for, before they had turned over two packages, she said to the men, Ask which of these bundles belongs to that gypsy who is such a great dancer. I saw him enter my room twice, and probably he is the thief. Andrew knew it was himself she meant, and answered with a laugh, Senora Doncea, this is my bundle, and that is my ass. If you find in or upon either of them what you miss, I will pay you the value sevenfold, besides submitting to the punishment which the law awards for theft. The officers of justice immediately unloaded the ass, and in the turn of a hand discovered the stolen property, whereat Andrew was so shocked and confounded that he stood like a stone statue. I was not out in my suspicions, said Carducha. See with what a good-looking face the rogue covers his villainy. The Alcaldi, who was present, began to abuse Andrew and the rest of the gypsies, calling them common thieves and highwaymen. Andrew said not a word, but stood pondering in the utmost perplexity, for he had no surmise of Carducha's treachery. At last an insolent soldier, nephew to the Alcaldi, stepped up to him, saying, Look at the dirty gypsy thief. I will lay a wager he will give himself airs as if he were an honest man, and deny the robbery, though the goods have been found in his hands. Good luck to whoever sends the whole pack of you to the galleys. A fitter place it will be for this scoundrel, where he may serve his majesty, instead of going about dancing from place to place, and thieving from venta to mountain. On the faith of a soldier, I have a mind to lay him at my feet with a blow. So saying, without more ado, he raised his hand and gave Andrew such a buffet as roused him from his stupor, and made him recollect that he was not Andrew Caballero, but Don Juan, and a gentleman. Therefore, flinging himself upon the soldier with sudden fury, he snatched his sword from its sheath, buried it in his body, and laid him dead at his feet. 
the people shouted and yelled the dead man's uncle the alcalde was frantic with rage preciosa fainted and andrew regardless of his own defence thought only of succouring her as ill luck would have it clement was not on the spot having gone forward with some baggage and andrew was set upon by so many that they overpowered him and loaded him with heavy chains the alcalde would gladly have hanged him on the spot but was obliged to send him to murcia as he belonged to the jurisdiction of that city it was not however till the next day that he was removed thither and meanwhile he was loaded with abuse and maltreatment by the alcalde and all the people of the place the alcalde moreover arrested all the rest of the gipsies he could lay hands on but most of them had made their escape among others clement who was afraid of being seized and discovered on the following morning the alcalde with his officers and a great many other armed men entered murcia with a caravan of gipsy captives among whom were preciosa and poor andrew who was chained on the back of a mule and was handcuffed and had a fork fixed under his chin all murcia flocked to see the prisoners for the news of the soldier's death had been received there but so great was preciosa's beauty that no one looked upon her that day without blessing her the news of her loveliness reached the corregidora's lady who being curious to see her prevailed on her husband to give orders that she should not enter the prison to which all the rest of the gipsies were committed andrew was thrust into a dark narrow dungeon where deprived of the light of the sun and of that which preciosa's presence diffused he felt as though he should leave it only for his grave preciosa and her grandmother were taken to the corregidor's lady who at once exclaiming well might they praise her beauty embraced her tenderly and never was tired of looking at her she asked the old woman what was the girl's age fifteen within a month or two more or less was the reply that would be the age of my poor constantia observed the lady ah amigas how the sight of this young girl has brought my bereavement back afresh to my mind upon this preciosa took hold of the corregidora's hands kissed them repeatedly bathed them with tears and said senora mia the gitano who is in custody is not in fault for he had provocation they called him a thief and he is none they gave him a blow on the face though his is such a face that you can read in it the goodness of his soul i entreat you senora to see that justice is done him and that the senor corregidor is not too hasty in executing upon him the penalty of the law if my beauty has given you any pleasure preserve it for me by preserving the life of the prisoner for with it mine ends too he is to be my husband but just and proper impediments have hitherto prevented our union if money would avail to obtain his pardon all the goods of our tribe should be sold by auction and we would give even more than was asked of us my lady if you know what love is and have felt and still feel it for your dear husband have pity on me who love mine tenderly and honestly all the while preciosa was thus speaking she kept fast hold of the corregidora's hands and kept her tearful eyes fixed on her face whilst the lady gazed on her with no less wistfulness and wept as she did 
just then the corregidor entered and seeing his wife and preciosa thus mingling their tears he was surprised as much by the scene as by the gitania's beauty on his asking the cause of her affliction preciosa let go the lady's hands and threw herself at the corregidor's feet crying mercy mercy senor if my husband dies i die too he is not guilty if he is let me bear the punishment or if that cannot be at least let the trial be delayed until means be sought which may save him for as he did not sin through malice it may be that heaven in its grace will send him safety the corregidor was still more surprised to hear such language from the gitania's lips and but that he would not betray signs of weakness he could have wept with her while all this was passing the old gitana was busily turning over a great many things in her mind and after all this cogitation she said wait a little your honour and i will turn these lamentations into joy though it should cost me my life and she stepped briskly out of the room until she returned preciosa never desisted from her tears and entreaties that they would entertain the cause of her betrothed being inwardly resolved that she would send to his father that he might come and interfere in his behalf the old gipsy woman returned with a little box under her arm and requested that the corregidor and his lady would retire with her into another room for she had important things to communicate to them in secret the corregidor imagined she meant to give him information respecting some thefts committed by the gipsies in order to bespeak his favor for the prisoner and he instantly withdrew with her and his lady to his closet where the gipsy throwing herself on her knees before them both began thus if the good news i have to give to your honors be not worth forgiveness for a great crime i have committed i am here to receive the punishment i deserve but before i make my confession i beg your honors will tell me if you know these trinkets and she put the box which contained those belonging to preciosa into the corregidor's hands he opened it and saw those childish gewgaws but had no idea what they could mean the corregidora looked at them too with as little consciousness as her husband and merely observed that they were the ornaments of some little child that is true replied the gipsy and to what child they belonged is written in this folded paper the corregidor hastily opened the paper and read as follows the child's name was doña constanza de acevedo y de meneses her mother's doña guiomar de meneses and her father's don fernando de acevedo knight of the order of calatrava she disappeared on the day of the lord's ascension at eight in the morning in the year one thousand five hundred and ninety-five the child had upon her the trinkets which are contained in this box instantly on hearing the contents of the paper the corregidora recognized the trinkets put them to her lips kissed them again and again and spooned away and the corregidor was too much occupied in assisting her to ask the gitana for his daughter good woman angel rather than gitana cried the lady when she came to herself where is the owner of these baubles where senora was the reply she is in your own house that young gipsy who drew tears from your eyes is their owner and is indubitably your own daughter whom i stole from your house in madrid on the day and hour named in this paper 
on hearing this the agitated lady threw off her clogs and rushed with open arms into the sala where she found preciosa surrounded by her donceas and servants and still weeping and wailing without a word she caught her hurriedly in her arms and examined if she had under her left breast a mark in the shape of a little white mole with which she was born and she found it there enlarged by time then with the same haste she took off the girl's shoe uncovered a snowy foot smooth as polished marble and found what she sought for the two smaller toes of the right foot were joined together by a thin membrane which the tender parents could not bring themselves to let the surgeon cut when she was an infant the mole on the bosom the foot the trinkets the day assigned for the kidnapping the confession of the gitana and the joy and emotion which her parents felt when they first beheld her confirmed with the voice of truth in the corregidora's soul that preciosa was her own daughter clasping her therefore in her arms she returned with her to the room where she had left the corregidor and the old gipsy preciosa was bewildered not knowing why she had made all those investigations and was still more surprised when the lady raised her in her arms and gave her not one kiss but a hundred doña guiomar at last appeared with her precious burthen in her husband's presence and transferring the maiden from her own arms to his receive senor your daughter constanza she said for your daughter she is without any doubt since i have seen the marks on the foot and the bosom and stronger even than these proofs is the voice of my own heart ever since i set eyes on her i doubt it not replied the corregidor folding preciosa in his arms for the same sensations have passed through my heart as through yours and how could so many strange particulars combine together unless it were by a miracle the people of the house were now lost in wonder going about and asking each other what is all this but erring widely in their conjectures for who would have imagined that the gitania was the daughter of their lord the corregidor told his wife and daughter and the old gipsy that he desired the matter should be kept secret until he should himself think fit to divulge it as for the old gipsy he assured her that he forgave the injury she had done him in stealing his treasure since she had more than made atonement by restoring it the only thing that grieved him was that knowing preciosa's quality she should have betrothed her to a gipsy and worse than that to a thief and murderer alas senor mio said preciosa he is neither a gipsy nor a thief although he has killed a man but then it was one who had wounded his honor and he could not do less than show who he was and kill him what he is not a gipsy my child said doña guiomar certainly not said the old gitana and she related the story of andrew caballero that he was the son of don francisco de carcamo knight of santiago that his name was don juan de carcamo of the same order and that she had kept his clothes after he had changed them for those of a gipsy she likewise stated the agreement which preciosa and don juan had made not to marry until after two years of mutual trial and she put in their true light the honorable conduct of both and the suitable condition of don juan the parents were as much surprised at this as at the recovery of their daughter the corregidor sent the gitana for don juan's clothes and she came back with them accompanied by a gipsy who carried them previously to her return preciosa's parents put a thousand questions to her 
and she replied with so much discretion and grace that even though they had not recognized her for their child, they must have loved her. To their inquiry whether she had any affection for Don Juan, she replied, not more than that to which she was bound in gratitude towards one who had humbled himself to become a gypsy for her sake. But even this should not extend farther than her parents desired. Say no more, daughter Preciosa, said her father, for I wish you to retain this name of Preciosa in memory of your loss and your recovery. As your father I take it upon myself to establish you in a position not derogatory to your birth. Preciosa sighed, and her mother shrewdly suspecting that the sigh was prompted by love for Don Juan, said to the corregidor, Since Don Juan is a person of such rank, and is so much attached to our daughter, I think, senor, it would not be amiss to bestow her upon him. Hardly have we found her to-day, he replied, and already would you have us lose her? Let us enjoy her company for a while at least, for when she marries she will be ours no longer, but her husband's. You are right, senor, said the lady, but give orders to bring out Don Juan, for he is probably lying in some filthy dungeon. No doubt he is, said Preciosa, for as a thief and homicide, and above all as a gypsy, they will have given him no better lodging. I will go see him, said the corregidor, as if for the purpose of taking his confession. Meanwhile, senora, I again charge you not to let any one know this history until I choose to divulge it, for so it behooves my office. Then, embracing Preciosa, he went to the prison where Don Juan was confined, and entered his cell, not allowing any one to accompany him. He found the prisoner with both legs in fetters, handcuffed and with the iron fork not yet removed from beneath his chin. The cell was dark, only a scanty gleam of light passing into it from a loophole near the top of the wall. How goes it, sorry knave? said the corregidor as he entered. I would I had all the gypsies in Spain leashed here together to finish them all at once, as Nero would have beheaded all Rome at a single blow. No, thou thief, who art so sensitive on the point of honor, that I am the corregidor of this city, and come to know from thee, if thy betrothed is a Hithania who is here with the rest of you. Hearing this, Andrew imagined that the corregidor had surely fallen in love with Preciosa, for jealousy is a subtle thing, and enters other bodies without breaking or dividing them. He replied, however, if she has said that I am her betrothed, it is very true, and if she has said I am not her betrothed, she has also spoken the truth, for it is not possible that Preciosa should utter a falsehood. Is she so truthful, then? said the corregidor. It is no slight thing to be so, and be a gitana. Well, my lad, she has said that she is your betrothed, but that she has not yet given you her hand. She knows that you must die for your crime, and she has entreated me to marry her to you before you die that she may have the honor of being the widow of so great a thief as yourself. Then let your worship do as she has requested, said Andrew, for so I be married to her, I will go content to the other world, leaving this one with the name of being hers. You must love her very much. So much, replied the prisoner, that whatever I could say of it would be nothing to the truth. In a word, Senor Corregidor, let my business be dispatched. I killed the man who insulted me. I adore this young Hitana. I shall die content if I die in her grace, 
and gods i know will not be wanting to us for we have both observed honourably and strictly the promise we made each other this night then i will send for you said the corregidor and you shall marry preciosa in my house and to-morrow morning you shall be on the gallows in this way i shall have complied with the demands of justice and with the desire of you both andrew thanked him the corregidor returned home and told his wife what had passed between them during his absence preciosa had related to her mother the whole course of her life and how she had always believed she was a gipsy and the old woman's granddaughter but that at the same time she had always esteemed herself much more than might have been expected of a gitana her mother bade her say truly was she very fond of don juan with great bashfulness and with downcast eyes she replied that having considered herself a gipsy and that she should better her condition by marrying a knight of santiago and one of such station as don juan de carcamo and having moreover learned by experience his good disposition and honourable conduct she had sometimes looked upon him with the eyes of affection but that as she had said once for all she had no other will than that which her parents might approve night arrived and about ten they took andrew out of prison without handcuffs and fetters but not without a great chain with which his body was bound from head to foot in this way he arrived unseen by any but those who had charge of him in the corregidor's house was silently and cautiously admitted into a room and there left alone a confessor presently entered and bade him confess as he was to die next day with great pleasure i will confess replied andrew but why do they not marry me first and if i am to be married truly it is a sad bridal chamber that awaits me doña guiomar who heard all this told her husband that the terrors he was inflicting on don juan were excessive and begged he would moderate them lest they should cost him his life the corregidor assented and called out to the confessor that he should first marry the gipsy to preciosa after which the prisoner would confess and commend himself with all his heart to god who often rains down his mercies at the moment when hope is most parched and withering andrew was then removed to a room where there was no one but doña guiomar the corregidor preciosa and two servants of the family but when preciosa saw don juan in chains his face all bloodless and his eyes dimmed with recent weeping her heart sank within her and she clutched her mother's arm for support cheer up my child said the corregidora kissing her for all you now see will turn to your pleasure and advantage knowing nothing of what was intended preciosa could not console herself the old gipsy was sorely disturbed and the bystanders awaited the issue in anxious suspense senor vicar said the corregidor the citano and hitana are the persons whom your reverence is to marry that i cannot do replied the priest unless the ceremony be preceded by the formalities required in such cases where have the bans been published where is the license of my superior authorizing the espousals the inadvertence has been mine said the corregidor but i will undertake to get the license from the bishop's deputy until it comes then your worships will excuse me said the priest and without another word to avoid scandal he quitted the house leaving them all in confusion 
the padre has done quite right said the corregidor and it may be that it was by heaven's providence to the end that andrew's execution might be postponed for married to preciosa he shall assuredly be but first the banns must be published and thus time will be gained and time often works a happy issue out of the worst difficulties now i want to know from andrew should matters take such a turn that without any more of those shocks and perturbations he should become the husband of preciosa would he consider himself a happy man whether as andrew caballero or as don juan de carcamo as soon as don juan heard himself called by his true name he said since preciosa has not chosen to confine herself to silence and has discovered to you who i am i say to you that though my good fortune should make me monarch of the world she would still be the sole object of my desires nor would i aspire to have any blessings besides save that of heaven now for this good spirit you have shown Signor don juan de carcamo i will in fitting time make preciosa your lawful wife and at present i bestow her upon you in that expectation as the richest jewel of my house my life and my soul for in her i bestow upon you doña constanza de acevedo manesis my only daughter who if she equals you in love is nowise inferior to you in birth andrew was speechless with astonishment while in a few words doña guiomar related the loss of her daughter her recovery and the indisputable proofs which the old gypsy woman had given of the kidnapping more amazed than ever but filled with immeasurable joy don juan embraced his father and mother-in-law called them his parents and senores and kissed preciosa's hands whose tears called forth his own the secret was no longer kept the news was spread abroad by the servants who had been present and reached the ears of the alcaldi the dead man's uncle who saw himself debarred of all hope of vengeance since the rigor of justice could not be inflicted on the corregidor's son-in-law don juan put on the travelling dress which the old woman had preserved his prison and his iron chain were exchanged for liberty and chains of gold and the sadness of the incarcerated gipsies was turned into joy for they were all bailed out on the following day the uncle of the dead man received a promise of two thousand ducats on condition of his abandoning the suit and forgiving don juan the latter not forgetting his comrade clement sent at once in quest of him but he was not to be found nor could anything be learned of him until four days after when authentic intelligence was obtained that he had embarked in one of the two genoese galleys that lay in the port of cartagena and had already sailed the corregidor informed don juan that he had ascertained that his father don francisco de carcamo had been appointed corregidor of that city and that it would be well to wait until the nuptials could be celebrated with his consent and approbation don juan was desirous to conform to the corregidor's wishes but said that before all things he must be made one with preciosa the archbishop granted his license requiring that the banns should be published only once the city made a festival of the wedding-day the corregidor being much liked and there were illuminations bull-fights and tournaments the old woman remained in the house of her pretended grandchild not choosing to part from preciosa the news reached madrid 
and don francisco de carcamo learned that the gipsy bridegroom was his son and that preciosa was the gitania he had seen in his house her beauty was an excuse in his eyes for the levity of his son whom he had supposed to be lost having ascertained that he had not gone to flanders besides he was the more reconciled when he found what a good match don juan had made with the daughter of so great and wealthy a cavalier as was don fernando de acevedo he hastened his departure in order to see his children and within twenty days he was in murcia his arrival renewed the general joy the lives of the pair were related and the poets of that city which numbers some very good ones took it upon them to celebrate the extraordinary event along with the incomparable beauty of the gitania and the licentiate pozo wrote in such wise that preciosa's fame will endure in his verses whilst the world lasts i forgot to mention that the enamoured damsel of the inn owned that the charge of theft she had preferred against andrew was not true and confessed her love and her crime for which she was not visited with any punishment because the joyous occasion extinguished revenge and resuscitated clemency End of the Little Gypsy Girl Part 4